Hi, I'm Dr. Andrea Stover, licensed marriage and family therapist, and you're listening to the Modern Day Romantic Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. Today, we are going to be diving into the neurobiological phenomenon of pair bonding. So I have been thinking about how to introduce the idea of the one into the conversation on the podcast. I mean, after all, it's the modern day romantic and thinking about having a special person or having the one is definitely a core component, in my opinion, to being a romantic. So I thought we'd start with pair bonding. This is a really interesting experience and, and phenomenon to look at, I think, because it takes the biological perspective of humans being only 5% of mammals that are wired to pair bond. Pair bonding is the process of finding and selecting a particular mate to share the rest of your life with. Now, the research that I looked into to prepare for this episode was on prairie voles, which have a pretty low life expectancy. So I know, you know, us as humans, we are now living uh, longer than we've ever lived, although maybe that's actually uh, decreased in the last couple years, the life expectancy of a human. However, uh, I think that that's probably an interesting thing to look at and keep in mind as we talk about this. But generally speaking, there is something biologically inherent uh, within the brain that is seeking to bond, that is seeking to find someone to be socially monogamous with. This is what the research called it. And what that means is the partner that you share shelter with, the partner that you have sex with, that you procreate with, and we know not all humans procreate and that's totally fine, but you get the idea here. So this is someone that you're sharing and doing life with. And it seems like within the pair bonding process, it lights up the reward center in the brain and sets off certain neurotransmitters or neurochemicals, such as oxytocin and dopamine. So to pair bond is a pleasurable experience. It, it gives us a sense of ease, a sense of relaxation, and, and lights up that part inside of us that helps us feel safe, that makes us feel just comfy, cozy, and excited. When I think of pair bonding, the image that comes to me, just, just even playing on those words, are like these two little molecules that, bloop, they just kind of come together and there they are and everything they do in life, they're just doing it in tandem and, and doing it while being connected, glued together. When I think about the human aspect of relationship and think about the initial the, the first relationship we ever have being that bond that an infant has with their mother. And that doesn't necessarily mean the one that gave birth to us. But again, there's that instinctual biological component there of being bonded and needing that bond in order to survive. So when we take this and we apply it to romantic relationships, 
Yeah, we can see this. We, I mean, a lot of you have probably experienced this or at least looking to experience this. So there's this validation from the neurobiological phenomenon of pair bonding and what what is instinctually being kicked off, what's what's instinctually being sought after, and or what is being experienced. So the research uh, that I looked at studied prairie voles, and I think I'm saying that right, prairie voles. So there was definitely the uh, partner selection, I believe they called that the selective contact. They talked about how uh, they observed how they went about, you know, choosing their mate. And then there was this component of affiliation, meaning the we and the us was formed. So I think about this a lot with, um, you've all, and if you haven't experienced this, then at least you've seen it, I know you have, where there's Bob and there's Sue. And one day Bob and Sue meet, and through time, they they develop this pair bonding and, or pair bond, and now they are a we and an us. So it's Bob and Sue. It's not just Bob, it's not just Sue, it's Bob and Sue. And so that, that's kind of what I was thinking about as far as, yeah, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm part of the couple here, you know? This is, this is our thing we have going on. And the other piece that I found interesting uh, within some of the studies that I was reading is called selective aggression, which we definitely see this in our own uh, human experience of relationships, meaning if a prairie vole felt like someone was coming on to their mate or uh, interfering or, or, or trying to... Um, create some type of, you know, separation or threatened the bond, let's say, then there was an enactment of jealousy or possessiveness or, you know, this, no, like Sue is mine or Bob is mine kind of thing uh, against the one who was trying to intrude on, on the relationship. So uh, just a little few snippets in there about some of the research I found because I wanted to set this up and say, this is it. This is the glue. This is what I think we're really looking for in a relationship. And many, many people have in their relationships, this pair bonding. Now, where I think this gets a little tricky is when, first off, through time, it's, it's a known fact in research that your body, those physiological responses are going to decrease through time. So you're not going to have the same level of arousal, uh, not the same level of dopamine releases as the relationship. I want to say it maybe starts declining even at two years or so into a relationship. I feel like that's uh, what I've read in the past, although I did not fact check myself before this episode, I should have. Anyways, so if we can build that into the fabric of our expectation for a relationship that, hey, our love and our bond is going to shift through time, it's not always going to feel the exact way it did in the beginning, and that's okay. That doesn't have to mean anything about the integrity of of our bond, of our relationship. It doesn't have to mean anything as far as, 
oh no, maybe you don't give me the dopamine feel goods anymore. And therefore this shouldn't be, you know, this isn't the right relationship or something like that. This is more kind of the natural biological way of settling into uh, <clears throat> being in relationship through time. Now, I am not saying that that means that any type of physiological arousal or response flatlines and that it, it just kind of goes lifeless or numb because I don't think that's, that's what we're going for here either. I just mean that it's not going to be like, you know, seeing each other for the first time and, and all those butterflies and all of that release and rush, uh, probably. I, I'm sure there's someone out there who's had that for 50 some years, maybe. I mean, and good for you if you do. That's that's wonderful, actually, I'm sure. But uh, okay, enough about that. So as things start to transition in a relationship, here's if we're not aware and we're not okay with things kind of shifting and still feel into the, the integrity of our pair bond, within the brain structure, that reward center that's, that's kind of being lit up by the pair bonding also responds to things like drugs, alcohol, other types of addictions. So instead of being okay with things shifting, we might seek out another way to get the dopamine or the feel goods or, you know, uh, that, that feeling of like the warm hug, you know, like, oh, I feel so good inside. And th those can come from things that actually aren't good for us and honestly can start to uh, create fissures and create cracks in the foundation of the bond that we have with our partner. So I think this is really, really important. No matter uh, when this might happen in a relationship, if it does happen, I, I really was wanting to do this episode because I was thinking about this and how, you know, so often in relationships, people say, I'm, I'm stuck, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in it. I'm, I'm in a loveless marriage or, or it's okay, let's say, but it's not, you know, it just doesn't do anything for me really, but we have a mortgage, we have kids, and I guess this is just my life now, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I was thinking about how instead of feeling bonded to the other person, that people often present it as feeling bound to the other person, like restricted or um, what, like that image of the, the ball and chain sort of thing. I don't want to use that image, but it kind of comes to mind when I talk about this, where it's like, yeah, I'm being drug along in this thing, even though I don't really feel good or I don't really, you know, or let's say someone starts to supplement not feeling good by drinking alcohol. Okay. Well, that's not going to do anything for your pair bond because, and, and depending how your, your partner, maybe, maybe they're, you know, doing that with you, let's say, and that somehow gives the two of you the feeling because you're doing it together, but it's not necessarily, you know, strengthening the relationship per se. Um, but but really kind of back to that original you know if if one person finds themselves in active addiction then because of the pain of not feeling like they're getting that same rush or that same hit it's it's a really tricky spot to be in because i think 
Well, lots of things. I think one, our society doesn't do us any favors in setting us up to have healthy, realistic expectations for long-term functional relationships. And every day we are bombarded by things that are are stimulating in in some form or fashion including our food you know there's so much sugar in all of our food that it it's very much like a dopamine rush you know it's it's like lights up the reward center in the brain as well we become addicted to our food even so it's it's not our fault per se you know it's this is just kind of the society in which we live and it creates a lot of pain and it creates a lot of you know things that when I was thinking about this in the animal kingdom, I thought they don't have to worry about that, you know? Like, yeah, they do get to live their little uh, romantic fairy tales with one another out for the remainder of their their three-year lifespan, or or maybe it's longer, you know? But it, it's just, um, I, I thought it was really important to emphasize, we've got this biological thing going on here that's seeking to have security and, love and comfort and shelter and a life and family and all of that with another with a with a, a singular other like our that that's what sets the romantic relationship apart from anything else isn't it like that's the person that we are sharing all of ourselves with so to not be able to um find satisfaction in that is really can put someone in a state of despair and feel very bound, like bounded instead of bonded. And if that's you, or if you've been there before or someone, you know, I, I just really wanted to speak to that and say, that's not an easy place to be. And it's, it's hard to kind of sift through how much of this, you know, is due to, uh, Maybe our bond really wasn't as solid as what we thought it was to begin with. Maybe we were having other reactions and, and maybe I never really felt that way. And maybe, and I'm using this example a lot today, I guess, but I think about relationships that are founded when both people are, are maybe, maybe they're heavily drinking or something like that. And you think about how you may be feeling the reward center, the pleasure center light up and think it's because you're with because you're with this person and oh my gosh, but is it, is it being, you know, induced more by the alcohol as opposed to that person? And it doesn't have to be a one or the other, but there's just all sorts of complexities as I really think about this and how it can create a lot of confusion as to where to go and what to do next. And the thing that I also was really thinking about is when something occurs that disrupts that bond or interferes and, and starts to crack that foundation, I don't know if couples really know how to heal that or repair that and even identify, slow down and say, oh my gosh, something, something terrible has just happened. I feel, I feel so awful. I feel so disconnected from you. And I thought we, you know, had this thing and and now I'm feeling unsafe or yeah, I we would need to have the emotional intelligence and the skills to be able to identify what it is we're even going through to be able to share that with the partner and hopefully they're having some type of similar awareness around it and then together and or with the help of a therapist, let's say, you know, you you can work through that and repair and get back to that that bonded state and 
without repair, I don't know how in the end it doesn't end up feeling like you're bounded instead of bonded. So it felt really important to highlight this because I doubt many people end up, you know, in the beginning with someone that they don't feel some type of bond with. I, I know it's possible, I'm sure, that to kind of go through the motions and just find yourself in a relationship. But generally speaking, and especially if you're a romantic, you're really looking for that pair bond. That's, that's what this thing's all about, is finding a special someone and being a special someone and, and both choosing to be with one another and to build and grow something together. So if you find yourself feeling bounded, feeling like you're just destined to, to be shackled to this other person, even though you feel nothing or you feel lifeless, like the relationship is heavy and, and it's, it's kind of, you know, killed off a part of your, your soul or your, your heart. We really want to take a look at that and, and get clear about, Hey, is this thing repairable? Because you matter, your life matters. Your, your being functional and your being able to feel is really, really crucial, um, for you and, and for all of us. Uh, no, I said this in the heartbreak episode, but I, I truly mean it. We've got to have our hearts online and staying in some type of untenable relationship and feeling bounded because you don't know what happened and you don't know how to get back to where it once was. And, 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 and there's so many ways that we could talk about that. But my, my hope, my wish is that some type of conversation could get sparked and some type of action taken to resuscitate you and hopefully or perhaps the relationship and if not to at least you know cut those those the, the bondage um that the things that bind you let's say so that you're free to live your life and not feel you know like like you just have to go through the motions for the rest of it. So, okay, there's all that. The other caveat that I do want to put in here is because I know we live in a society where people are structuring relationships in all sorts of ways that work best for them. And I think that you can have any type of relationship you want to have with your partner, as long as both of you are in agreement of what that structure looks like. So for example, I, I just, I want to say this because my intention is never to be offensive in any way or be exclusionary in any way. So I know there's a lot of unconventional ways that people are having relationship. And I don't think that that uh, excludes the, the concept or the, no, the notion of pair bonding and being wired to be socially monogamous. Uh, that's, that's what the research says around these, this mammal piece. Uh, and the research also, um, addresses other ways that we're wired as well. So the, the social monogamy piece is, is just building that life with someone and being able to share in that and, and have that as a base and a, a foundation for this pair bond. But all that to say, uh, if that doesn't fit for you, if that doesn't fit for your lifestyle, that's totally fine. This is just an offering related to pair bonding that I think is really important to think about, especially as it pertains to the feeling of being bonded versus bounded.
and needing to be able to find your way into something that works for you and for your partner and that relationship so that there's a viability component there. It's really crucial. And by the way, research talks a lot about those that have a healthy, strong pair bond being able to, well, if they have a longer life expectancy, they recover from illnesses uh, more quickly. In general, there's just a greater sense of resiliency overall. So it, it shows again, like the power of relationship and, and not just you know, being with, you know, John Doe, but being in a functional, healthy relationship can really help to increase our overall health, vitality, and well-being. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're interested in learning about ways to work with me, head over to my website, themoderndayromantic.com. From there, you'll be able to contact me and learn a bit more about the customized intensives and retreats I offer both individuals and couples. You'll also be able to support future podcast production via Patreon. There are several membership levels to choose from, including the Beating Hearts Club, which gives you access to exclusive content every month. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next episode.